welcome to the Awakening Church podcast. We exist to awaken this generation to new life in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. To find out more, go to awakeningchurch.com. We're in a series called On the Mountain of God. It's a worship series. And we've been journeying for the last few weeks Uh, through one particular story. It's the story of Moses, the great liberator and leader of the Israelite people, but he's actually in the wilderness with a bunch of sheep, and he has this encounter with God, this burning bush moment, literally. And we've been learning and we've been discovering what it looks like to dwell and live and be a people on the mountain of God. And the very first week I said this, I said that God knows your name. Like God calls out to Moses his name, Moses, Moses. It was a sign of friendship and endearment. Of, and, and here's what didn't happen. I said this, I said God knows your name and nobody clapped. Nobody went like, wow. Nobody went like, Yeah, that's insane. Are you kidding me? The God of the universe knows my name? Wait, are you telling me the one who spoke and everything came into existence, that one, the supreme being, knows my name? Nobody did that. We're just like, yeah, cool. Thank you very much. I've heard that. That's awesome. Fantastic, Ryan. Great studying this week. Check that off the, you know, God knows my name. Great. No, no, no. If we really got this, if you really understood this, it is so humbling. It is life-changing, completely altering the very course of your life. Just think about this. The eternal one, the creator of all that we see, all that we know and understand, who spoke and everything came into existence, is so intimate and caring that he knows your name. He is so personal. Let me put it maybe into perspective so that you can get this. When we look up at the night sky, uh, I'm told that we're able to see about 6,000 stars only. And that, I thought it would have been way more than that. And actually, uh, we, on a given night from our vantage point, we can only see about 2,000 stars just with our you know, natural eye. And, and yet we know because of science and that there's way more than 2,000 or 6,000 stars out there. In fact, uh, the Milky Way galaxy, that's our galaxy, that's our little you know, planet that's revolving around our medium-sized star. That's our galaxy we reside in. The Milky Way galaxy has approximately 200 billion stars in it. Uh, and to put that into kind of like spatial perspective, if we were just to do a lap around the Milky Way, it would take us 100,000 light years just to do a singular lap around the Milky Way galaxy, our little galaxy. And yes, it is kind of a little average-sized galaxy. It's not that big of a deal in the universe. Uh, a light year, by the way, is just the speed at which light travels in a year. So a, a light year, it travels at the speed of 186,000 miles per second. So think about this. 
Just to travel around our little Milky Way galaxy, you have to travel for 100,000 years at 186,000 miles per second. And here's what we know. Our little Milky Way galaxy is just one of approximately 100 billion other galaxies in the universe. Now, let me say this. And the God who created all of that knows your name. I, somebody shout for that. Come on. Because that is something to be in awe of, to be humbled by, to be in wonder of such a personal, intimate God. Now, the question is, do you know God's name? We know God knows your name, but do you know God's name? Like when we're worshiping, do you know the God who you're worshiping? When you're praying, do you know the name of the God you're praying to? And some of you are like, well, I, um, I thought I did <laughs> until you asked that question. Because <laughs> um, God, isn't his name God? And it's like, hello, God, um, what... See, just as God is personal with you, he longs to have an intimate relationship, invites you into a personal relationship with him. And by the way, the first step in any personal relationship is just getting to know one another's name. And this morning, we're going to look and discover the name of God and we left Moses off uh, last week on holy ground, if you remember this. And he, he steps on and he, ha he, he, he realizes, God says, stop right where you're at. You're on holy ground. Take off your sandals. And it's on holy ground where Moses received a holy calling. When we stop and we worship God, it always brings us into the mission and purposes of God on this planet. And then this is what happens next. Uh, we pick it up in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. But Moses said to God, okay, he just had this high calling. Moses, I want you to go lead the people of Israel out of bondage from Egypt. And Moses is going, okay, I'm not exactly sure about this. I'm a shepherd for 40 years in the desert. Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Forty years prior to this, Moses, if God would have called him, would have said, I'm the man. I'm a prince of Egypt. I'm royalty. I'm the man. Yeah, God, I'm, I'm your man. Forty years now in obscurity, 40 years in loneliness, building and producing not only humility but insecurity. To the point now, he goes, who am I? God, God, don't you know who, who I am? I'm a failure. Don't, don't you know who? I'm, I'm just a lonely shepherd. I, I'm not up for the task. I, I'm a waste of time. I'm a lost cause. Who am I? Now, I want you to notice God's response to Moses. And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. 
Moses begins with, who am I? And that's where we begin all the time. Like, I, who am I? Like, I don't know. And we live lives that revolve around ourselves and, you know, and it's all kind of focused on, well, I just, I'm not enough. And I, we have these deep insecurities. And what I want you to see and, and notice right here, God doesn't say, well, let me tell you about you. You're good enough. You're swell. You're fantastic. It's okay. You're up for the task. He doesn't say that. Do you know what he says? Look at what he says. He doesn't say, who are you? He says, I'll be with you. Moses, by the way, I just want to give you something here. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am. My presence with you is enough. See, see, it's less about who you are, and you're so caught up in your inability. You're so caught up in your insecurity. You're so caught up in your insufficiency. If you would just have this perspective shift, take your eyes off yourself for a second, and just one level up to not who you are, but who's with you, your entire world would change. It says, I am with you. It's not about who you are. It's about who I am, and I am enough. I am sending you, and I'm not just sending you, but I'm going with you. And so your inadequacy is completely covered up by my adequacy. Your inability is completely covered up by my ability See, I am sufficient for everything. And when we, think about this, imagine, imagine how your world would change if instead of focusing on who you are, you would begin to look up and see who's with you. Instead of wrestling, um, I don't know if I'm enough, God. I don't know if I'm up for the task. I don't know. Like, like you've called me to lead my family. You've called me to, to be a light in the business sector. You've called me onto this campus. I don't know about this. This is overwhelming, and I'm not good enough, and I'm a failure. And, man, last week I've been trying to follow you, and, man, I just blew it. And, I, and he goes, no, no, I'm with you. Imagine if you would just begin to shift your eyes and your gaze off of yourself and begin to live in the reality that it's less about who you are and it's more about who is with you, that God is with you. So the question is, then who's with you? What is his name? Moses is going, great, you're with me, but who is this God that is with me? And so Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? That's a great starting point. What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. We're going to unpack that in a second because you're like, that's not a cool answer, God. It's like, <laughs> not helpful. Actually, really helpful. We just missed it. Don't worry. We'll get there. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob uh, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And the question, who's with me? What is the name of God? And in this moment, God reveals himself personally, his what's known as his covenant name 
to Moses and the people of Israel. And here's what he says. He says, my name is I am. Uh, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's, it's the verb to be. When it's written out, it's Yahweh, and it's in the third person, so it's he is. And so when you see Yahweh, it's actually declaring he is. It's, um, it's actually every time in the Bible, you'll notice that uh, when you see in the Lord in all caps, that's his personal covenant name, Yahweh, or Jehovah. And, and, it, and when you see it, in its, um, when it's not in all caps, that's the word Adonai, it's, or in the Greek, kurios. It's just Lord or Master. And so when you see it, it's God revealing himself to us. This name was so sacred to the Jewish people, they wouldn't even speak it. It's actually, uh, it doesn't, just four letters, no vowels. You would add vowels afterwards, and it's Y-H-W-H, just in our English there. It's known as the Tetragrammaton, just these holy, sacred four letters. He says, my name is I am. Three different times, God reiterates his name to Moses. I am who I am, and this is not God stuttering, by the way. This is God saying, I am, and repetition in the Hebrew language is for emphasis. I am completely adequate and sufficient. I am has sent you the Lord, the God of your fathers. This word Yahweh, I am, the ever-existing one, the uncreated creator, the sovereign one. And so for us, we, we need to just sit back and go, okay, so what, what does this tell us about God? What does I am reveal to us about his personhood that we don't know, that we need to know for us to be able to worship and live uh, appropriately? Uh, J.I. Packer in his book, uh, Knowing God, writes this. He says, this name, I am, is not a description of God, but simply a declaration of his self-existence and his eternal changelessness, a reminder to mankind that he has life in himself and that what he is now, he is eternally. Now, for us to get this is we have to understand in the ancient world, a name was more than an identifier. A name wasn't just like, we name names today because they're, they're nice sounding or they're unique. Everybody wants a unique name for their kids. Some of you, you have deep meanings and that's wonderful. In the Hebrew world, the name of a person was intimately connected to their identity and their character, who they are. And so when Moses is asking for the name of God, he is asking for a revelation of God's character and identity. It's not just like, hey, I want to know your name. I want to know you. That's what it means. And God says, I am. And so what does this tell us about the character and nature of God? There are three foundational things that Yahweh, I am, tells us about this God we are worshiping. First, that God is eternal. I am uh, the ever-existing one. I am. In God's eternal nature, he is completely self-sufficient. He needs and relies on no one or no thing. In God's eternal nature, uh, he is completely self-existent. He is the uncreated creator. He is, 
and will always be. In God's eternal nature, he is completely infinite. He is not limited in any way, so he is, as we say, and you may be some words you've heard before, omnipotence, which means he's all-powerful. He's omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. He's omnipresent, which means he's present everywhere. He's not limited by our limitations. R.C. Sproul in The Holiness of God writes this about the eternality of God. He says, the God we worship is the God who has always been. He alone can create beings because he alone has the power of being. He's not nothing. He's not chance. He is pure being, the one who has the power to be all by himself. And so when God reveals himself as I am, Yahweh to Moses, first he's saying, I'm eternal. The second thing he's saying is that I'm immutable. You're like, I'm sorry, did you mumble? Did you stutter? Immutable. No, what immutability is, God's immutable nature, it refers to his unchanging or the unchanging nature of God. That he is, like Yahweh, he is, and so his character, his ways, his truths do not change God is always consistently himself. I like how A.W. Pink said it. And if you're a real theologian, apparently you only use, um, you know, your initials for your first letters. I'm going to start going by R.B. Ingram. Thank you very much. A.W. Pink says this. He cannot change for the better, for he is already perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. This is what we mean by the immutability or that God is immutable. And so what does I am tell us about God? First and foremost, that he's eternal. He's always been. Then that he is immutable. And then there's another part of this that is deeply entwined to this verb to be in the Hebrew uh, uh, culture, that God is active, that God is actually personally active. Notice that he said that I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Isaac. That he's acting and moving in history to bring about his redemptive plan. That, that I'm not just the eternal being at a distance. And I'm not just this immutable one that, that kind of got everything going but lets you go. That I am personally engaged and active. Uh, Sigmund Mowinkle no uh, initials there, writes this, Hebrew scholar, to the Hebrew, to be does not just mean to exist as all other beings and things do as well, but to be active, to express oneself in active being. And so when Moses is receiving the name of God and God says, I am, he's hearing that he is the God who acts. Or I am the God that really acts. I will accomplish what I said and bring it about. In fact, as the Jewish people experienced the eternal, immutable, active God, they began to connect his activity and his, back to his character. And so they would take the name of Yahweh, and some of you know it as Jehovah. It's just another way to say the exact same name uh, in English. And then they would connect his activity back to his character as they saw his working in their midst. And so they would say this, that like uh, Yahweh Nisi, that he is, or Yahweh God is my banner. 
We don't use this or strength today. And when troops went out to battle, they, they would raise up the banner of their nation, and it would be a sign to bolster the troops, to encourage them, to say, you, are, you have the strength of the nation behind you. And, and the prophets would tell us that the banner of God over us is love. Yahweh Nisi, you're my banner, you're my hope, you're my strength. That's what he's meaning. You're my encouragement. God, you are my encouragement. Yahweh Ra, he is my shepherd. You think of Moses who's in the field shepherding and then David the great king who was a shepherd who would pen one of the most famous psalms of all time, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and the the tender care of God. As he says, I will take you through the valleys of death and lead you by streams of still water. Like I am tender in my care And the people would sing out, Yahweh Ra, my God. Yahweh Rapha. He is my healer. For some, like the names of God are meaningful, right? Like when we worship all of a sudden, that brings new meaning. That you're not just singing to God, distant and personal. Not just eternal, matchless one. Immutable one. You're like, that's a word I'm going to use around the dinner table. The active one who is my healer. And you're going, I need to worship Yahweh Rapha. High, exalted, personal, you are my healer. As we say, the great physician. They know his activity and Yahweh Yira. He is my provider. The Lord is my provider. Like I'm in a straight spot. I'm struggling and God, I need you. And you begin to declare the name of God. No, this is, this is who you are, not who you were. It's not like way back then you were a provider, you were a healer. Like he is, he always has been, he always will be. This is his consistent nature unchanging. And so this is who he is today. Would you lean into him now? Yahweh Tishkanu. He is my righteousness. Some of you walked in hurting and broken and needing the righteousness of God that he just would place it upon you. Yahweh Shalom, he is my peace. When we worship, this is the name of God. This is who we are worshiping. And these are just a few of the names as the Jewish people began to connect the character and identity of God to his activity. And our tendency is then to think, well, that's the Old Testament God, right? That's awesome. The Old Testament God, way back then, that's great. But the New Testament God, how does that connect? And in the opening chapter of the Gospel of John, he writes this about Jesus, saying that, that Jesus came, uh, in many of your translations, it says this, he came to explain God. He said that Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth, that he came to explain God. Literally, in the text, it's exegete. That Jesus is the full revelation and explanation of Yahweh. 
that this Yahweh that we worshipped, that once showed up to Moses in a burning bush, now is present in the person of Jesus, revealing his eternal nature. The eternal, immutable, personally active God is walking and dwelling and revealing himself to you and to me in Jesus. And so, when you look at Jesus, you are seeing how God would respond, how Yahweh responds. If you want to know what God thinks, look at Jesus. This is what it means to exegete the Father. If you want to know how God feels about certain things, look at Jesus. If you want to know how he would react and respond and what he would do, look at Jesus. And Jesus wanted us to make sure that we did not miss this. In fact, seven times he makes this direct connection between who he is, his activity, and to the one who was revealed to Moses as Yahweh. I am. Jesus said this. I am the bread of life. I am. Every person listening to him would immediately know what Jesus is claiming to be, and they're going like, whoa, how dare you? Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. He says this, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He says, I am the gate Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the good shepherd. I am Yahweh Ra. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. Yahweh revealed himself in the person of Jesus. And so, just with these few statements alone, let us not make the mistake that so many make. That Jesus is simply a good man or a great teacher. He cannot be with the claims that he made. Jesus is the eternal, immutable, active Yahweh, revealing himself. And so just think about this, by the way. Jesus didn't say that he is a light, that he is a way, that he is a truth. He said, I am the light of the world. Like when I showed up on the scene, all of a sudden darkness flees. And I am the way and the truth and the life. Exclusive claim. Now I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that Jesus said no one comes to the, and remember what he said? Help me out. No one comes to the Father. He didn't say comes to Yahweh. In fact, Jesus would consistently, when he spoke of Yahweh, he spoke of him as a father, his heavenly 
father, and he instructed his disciples to do the same. In fact, in the Sermon on the Mount we taught uh, a few months ago, Jesus tells his disciples this, pray this way when you're praying, not Yahweh. Well, they wouldn't say that anyways, the unspeakable name of God. It'd say this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. By the way, the name of God is Yahweh. That's what he's referring to here. Hallowed, sacred be your name. And by the way, that high and holy one, you are my Father. In the Old Testament, God as Father actually is only uh, spoken of very rarely, just about 15 times. In the New Testament, it is the predominant way the followers of Jesus referred to God as Father. Now, I want you to catch this. The name, the name we call someone reveals the type of relationship we have with that person. Let me say it again. The name we call someone reveals the type of relationship we have with that person. Remember, we said at the very beginning, you have a personal God who knows your name and invites you to have a personal relationship with him. And so the name we call someone reveals what type of relationship we have. In fact, some of you call me pastor. It reveals that our relationship that is part of my pastoral role in your life, and that's wonderful and deeply meaningful. Uh, for other people, call me uh, Mr. Ingram. Not of many, but few. And that's a very formal relationship that we have. Most people just call me Ryan. Well, that's my name, of course, and it's personal. However, there are only three people on the entire planet that call me dad. There are only three people that have that type of relationship with me where they respond and say, Dad. And by the way, I would do anything for them. And your heavenly Father invites you to move from God, like there's just this idea of God, even from Yahweh, like that's who he is, and that Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Ra, Ra, Yahweh Rapha, he's my father. He's my perfect heavenly father. Let me ask you this. Do you know God as your heavenly father? Do you know Yahweh as your heavenly father? See, a lot of people know about God, but they don't know God. A lot of us, we, we can tell and talk about him. In fact, many of you are going to walk away from the sermon knowing more about God, but I would be remiss and heartbroken if you didn't know him. And there's an intimacy of relationship he longs to have with you that is not just a God out there or not just a formal kind of like rigid thing. He longs to have this personal relationship where he adopts you into his family and you get to know him as father. For some, you have maybe an impersonal relationship with God. You don't, you, you believe there's a God out there. Maybe you got this whole thing started, maybe the cosmic force, and you have no idea that you have a God who is wooing you, who knows your name, 
who, who longs to be your perfect heavenly father. And he's a father not like your earthly father. I don't know what your earthly dads were like. Some were great, some were not. He's your perfect heavenly father. All those names that we just said are true of him and his character. And he says, I want to be your perfect heavenly father. Do you know him? Others, you have a formal relationship with him. Maybe you've been doing the religious thing. You go to church. You might even read your Bible. You, have, you maybe have knowledge. You know about God, but you don't know God. It's kind of like me. I know about Ed Sheeran. Sheeran? <laughs> Love is music. I do not know him. Never met him. One day, want to go to one of his shows, would love that. But God, for many, remains at a distance, an intellectual pursuit, and just an acquiring of knowledge. And I got knowledge of God, but the question is, do you know your heavenly Father personally? That's the invitation of worship. The eternal, immutable, personally active God invites you in welcomes you, lovingly pursues you. So the question is, how do we join the family of God? Listen to what John says. He says, yet to all who did receive him. How do we join the family of God? You have to receive him. To those who believe in his name, the name of Jesus. Remember, a name is connected to their character, their identity, what they do. He gave the right to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, but born of God. You do not join the family of God by knowing more about him. The only way to know God as your heavenly father is by believing in the name of Jesus. It's the simple you're like, can it be that simple? Call on the name of Jesus. Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus, do I, do I believe who he claimed that he was? That he wasn't just a good man, but he was the God man. That he lived a perfect, sinless life. That he hung upon the cross for the payment of my brokenness and your brokenness, taking the weight of the world's sin and shame, past, present, and future, in that moment. And then he rose again to new life on the third day. Do I believe that this is the name of Jesus? That is what it refers to, that he is who he said he is, and he did what he said he did. And anyone who calls on the name of, the, of Jesus will be saved. See, the truth this morning is you have a heavenly Father who loves you. The problem is sin didn't make you bad. Sin made you dead. 
It's the reason this church is called Awakening, because right now in this moment, some of you are going to awaken to new life in Jesus. Some of you are going to call on the name of Jesus in this moment, and for the first time, you're going to step out of religion, or you're going to step out of just kind of like, I don't know, maybe a God, and you're going to enter into a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father, because you're going to call upon the one who died and rose again, that he would bring new life. Not just a better version of your old life, radically new life in this moment. Today, you can know God personally as Father. And right now, even as I'm speaking, there's some, there's like this tension going on. There's a battle. There's a wrestle. There's some of you that are just going like, I don't know. I feel this like kind of, almost like a burning in your chest. And by the way, that is the Spirit of God wooing you to himself. And would you say yes? Would you say yes? Would you say yes to the Spirit's activity, to the invitation of your Father who loves you? Would you say yes to his loving pursuit, the God who knows your name and invites you to call him Father?